0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollack, and today I am talking with some of the creatives behind an amazing anthology called Ghosts and Gravity, and it's a project that benefits the Vet Sports Foundation, which is an incredible charity um, that helps connect uh, wounded warriors and veterans with uh, with sports, and it's, it's just a great cause, and these amazing authors came together to put together a Um, an anthology of series of stories. And I can't do it justice. This is such a cool project and um, being able to hear how it was conceived, why it was conceived. It's just one of those things that everything came together so perfectly for this to be the, the project that it is. It's 11 short stories and 13 authors who worked on them. And uh it's all set in a building in New York in nineteen seventy-two. And that was the, the qualification was that everybody had to live in this building and uh it had to be set in nineteen seventy-two. And then the authors were kind of given free reign. You're gonna hear about how how that came about, but um that's kind of the gist of it. So if you're if if you're a fan of something like um, I would say only murders in the building comes to mind not a true crime thing, but it's just, you know, if you're a fan of that kind of, of the allure and mystique of that, you know, the people who live in a building and what their lives are like and, you know, what you see, but versus what's behind closed doors, this is the kind of story that you want to, uh, that you want to read. And each of these stories is connected through those themes, but also in other ways. And, It kind of happened again. There's a lot of serendipity in this because of the fact that, um, you know, somehow these stories connected, even though they weren't necessarily working together on the stories. They were in, you know, everybody had their individual stories and they were working on their own. So it's kind of an interesting thing that that it came together the way it did. So being able to talk to several people who were involved with the project, it just it really enhances the appreciation that I have for the project, and um, you know for these stories. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Um, I certainly did. And what's nice is that we didn't we didn't spoil anything. We didn't go into anything in detail. So if you haven't read the anthology, um, which is available now, it's available for a limited time. After next year, um, it will not be available anymore. So if you want a copy of it, you can buy a physical copy, you can buy a ebook version. Um, but it's not something that will be available in perpetuity. It's, it's, it's going to be going away, but, um, it's just, it's just one of those things. I mean, you just get drawn into it and once you're in it, you can't get out of it in the best of ways. Like you just want to keep going. And, um, and then what's, what's even more is that after you hear these authors talking about the story, um, you you want to go back and immediately rediscover some of the things that they were talking about because it just it just gives you this 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 perspective that you didn't have and it's just it's magical. There's another element to it. it um, they were able to record a an audio version of this story, and so um, in addition to speaking to several authors on the project, you'll also hear from. Uh, a woman named Jacqueline, who's the podcast or no, not podcast, but the anthology audiobook producer, and Hillary, who is one of the, um, the voice actors. And so they talk about their involvement and why they got involved and how they got involved and what it was like bringing the story to life. And um, it, it just, again, it's just one of those things, you know, every now and then you come across a project that's just so special. And this is one of those one of those projects. So if you haven't checked it out, it's called Ghosts and Gravity. And um, like I said, there are thirteen authors on the project, and um, I spoke with uh, with five of them or six of them actually. Um, there's two two couples, and so uh, it's it's just yeah, it's just this was such a fun interview. And um, what I love is that it just you're gonna hear conversation you're gonna hear you know it's it's like you're sitting in a room I mean I certainly as the as the moderator as the host of the podcast I just sat back and listened and just let them go and, and let them talk about um, you know I, I didn't have to ask a lot of questions because all of the magic came. Through their conversations on their own, so I really think you're going to enjoy this this conversation. So, without further ado, this is my interview with uh, several of the authors and the creatives behind the Ghosts and Gravity anthology. So please enjoy. All right, everyone. Today I am so excited to have my biggest group of guests on the My Nights Are Booked podcast, and I am speaking today with the creative team behind the Ghosts and Gravity anthology, and bear with me. There are a lot of people on this call. So we're going to, it's going to be really fun to go through this, but we are talking with some of the authors. We have Morgan and Jennifer Locklear, who are very familiar with our audience. If you're a passionista, you know who Jen is. And we are also speaking with, let's see, we have Chris Babe. Is that, am I pronouncing your name right?
1: That's correct.
0: I married (laughs) babe. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> Susan Swords and Becca Vry and BT Uruela and then we're also speaking with Hillary and Jacqueline and um, they also played a very important role in the book and um, so yeah welcome everybody I'm so excited to have you here. Hello. Hello thank awesome you. Awesome to, to be so here. Thank
2: thanks you. for having us.
0: So let's um, let's start we won't uh, we won't go into I, I mean this 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 project is so incredible and I know there's a lot of people out there who haven't had a chance to experience it to the fullest. So I want to make sure that we make it clear we're not going to spoil anything in our conversation. We're going to enhance the the reading experience in a way that benefits people who have read it and we're going to do it in a way that for people who haven't read it to be so excited by our conversation that they're going to run out and read it and then they're going to come back and listen for all of the things that they might pick up after our conversation. So don't worry, we're not going to spoil anything and um yeah, I think it's going to be a fun conversation. I would love to start with um, with Morgan and Jennifer and um, kind of get a sense of what Ghosts and Gravity is and why it's such a special project.
2: You know, uh, Ghosts and Gravity is special in a couple different ways. Um, first and foremost, the entire project is benefiting vet sports. And so I'm going to bring BT in nice and early because um, Jennifer and I met BT some years ago in what city? Uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk at the sexy and sassy signing. Signing, yeah. uh, and um, by the way, shout out to alliterations. I think if you do them <laughs> right, they're they're great, great in books. But so, uh, BT, you and I uh, and Jennifer, we are all sitting at the same table. Uh, you gave a keynote address, and it wasn't until a few years after that that we shared a panel together, and. Um I approached you because I knew that vet sports would be a really great charity. Um but tell me tell me what was my pitch to you that day?
3: Well, you your first pitch because you had given me uh again, I'm BT Urella, uh but yeah. You had pitched that you had done a couple anthologies before you had showed me, uh, please for, uh, remind me of the name of the last one. The Beatles inspired uh, one
2: paperback writers,
3: paperback writers. Yes. And, uh, you had, you know, given me a copy of the book. I was able to look it over and, uh, you knew about that sports, an organization that I co-founded back in 2012 and, uh, kind of just pitched first the idea of just, uh, doing this anthology and me perhaps writing a story along with my wife Ann Malcolm. And and then I think we got to the details of it was that that same weekend, maybe a little later. But uh, uh, in terms, yeah, yeah
2: you My pitched me a couple of
3: ideas, didn't you?
2: I did, and the one that the one that BT ended up really liking, uh, Jennifer and I have done a couple of these. Uh, we're the publishers of the ebook and the and the uh, paperback of Ghosts and Gravity, and I'm going to bring Jacqueline in real soon too because she played a huge part um, and produced the audio book which I think is an amazing way to hear this book. And what brings me all around to the, the real uh, pitch of the book to BT in the end was that it was going to be a, like a concept album, um, wherein every story has to take place in the year 1972. Every story has to take place in New York City. And every story has to have a character that lives in this one particular building. And it's called the Well Raven. Um, the lot that it sits on is now the Kingsley Condos, uh, and it's a real it's a real place. The Well Raven was not, but anyway, we knew that we could, if every story shared a place, then when we all got done, we were going to give ourselves an extra six months or even a year to then read each other's stories and find ways to have our characters interact with each other in small ways or big ways and connect the stories. And then Jacqueline came along and she says, hey, I wanna do an audio book, but I need a year because it's such a big project, it's such a big cast. And so Jacqueline, um, you then, I don't know when you heard what this was about, or I know you and I just knew BT and wanted to be involved in his charity, and I don't know when the book's concept came about, but it ended up working. And by the time you got the manuscript, we had done all those things and were ready to to, to publish. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience now this last year. Uh,
4: hi, everybody again. This is Jock. So um, I actually think that Facebook has its positives sometimes. and. Uh, I happened to be scrolling through Facebook, and I saw that um, BT had wrote a post about Ghost and Gravity, um, a book that he was writing in, and an anthology to support um, vet sports. And my company is always uh, a big supporter of giving back and doing charity um, audiobooks. We do uh, one to two a year. And uh, when I uh, asked BT about it, I said, are you going to do an audio book? And he said, I don't know, but that would be a great idea. Let me get you in touch with Morgan. And um, that's kind of where it started. I submitted a request to Morgan and asked if he would, he he and the authors would be interested in having this book uh, produced in audio. And he took it back to the authors and 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 there's how everything started working, and and so yeah, it took us it took us a year, um, but I think the finished prod product uh, was totally worth it, and I hope that everybody uh, goes out and supports the work that the performers um, did as they told these stories that were written by these amazing
2: authors. I agree, and let me finish then by uh, explaining why the title is Ghosts and Gravity. Having given all the authors already such specifics in terms of a period piece and a location and whatnot, um, then we started putting the stories together and, and stringing a few things. And, and it's, it's interesting because when we had to put the order of the stories together and BT and Anne's is first because it sets up. Uh, it was a story that really just set everything up so well. It just kind of, it, it read like the first story. And that story forward, as Jennifer and I started reading through the manus- uh, the individual manuscripts, we realized that there were two themes to the book. And those themes were ghosts and gravity. There are many songs, uh, many songs, <laughs> a concept album. There are many stories that are pure romance uh, many stories that uh, have nothing to do with gravity, and and, and uh, uh, but in the end, once we started connecting a few characters and little tiny moments, it all seemed to string together a bigger story. These eleven small stories were were kind of telling an overall story, or at very least, you know, dipping more than a foot in an overall theme. And so that's why we decided to call the book "Ghosts and Gravity," a title we'd only come up with. Uh, weeks before we got Jocelyn involved. And then for the last year, we've been on hold as her amazing team put the book together in audio form and then all three dropped last month on Veterans Day. What
0: an incredible story. I mean, just to think that it came about with, it, it started with the idea of working together on an anthology and then became something so massive and yet so cohesive because, you are a large group. I mean, the group that that we're speaking with today is is just a small portion of the whole team and then the other authors. And so to manage all of that, but then to think it all came together so cohesively and so beautifully, it almost seems like you, it almost seemed like you planned it. But then what I'm hearing is that it, you know, you kind of went off, wrote your own stories and then they all kind of came back together and fit beautifully.
2: Yeah. And and believe it or not, there wasn't a lot of crossovers uh, you know uh, some people partnered up um becca and chris and sue are authors that are here with us on the line i'm certain that at least two of you guys kind of use the buddy system and a couple of authors did that we just sort of grabbed another author and created a quick little moment and it could be something simple um the the character that jennifer and i have is uh kind of an asthmatic skinny kid in the building named Robert. And he's not mentioned by name in anyone's story but ours, but I think maybe one story or two might've mentioned an asthmatic skinny kid on the eighth floor. Um, But I know that out of the three authors I just mentioned, um, Becca, Sue, and Chris, didn't a couple of you guys actually create some conversations between characters? Oh, I... My character,
5: the the main character, Elizabeth, who lived in the well, Raven, was very shy and kind of lonely, and she did have some interactions. Uh, She was envious of Becca's characters because she could see how happy they were. And that they seemed to have such a, a a great relationship, and they seemed to be enjoying themselves so much, which was <laughs> something she was still learning how to do. I mean, she didn't know how much they were enjoying themselves, but <laughs> oh, the you know, but really. she just had a sense that they were, you know, a fun and happy couple, and she kind of wanted to approach them, but was nervous about it. And it was the same thing with um, with uh, Chris's character, where she noticed there was this young woman who was coming and going in and out of the building quite a bit and who seemed to be about her age. And she was you know, kind of intrigued, like, you know, maybe I should talk to her a little bit more. Maybe maybe there could be a good friendship here. So um, having read both Becca's and uh, Chris's stories before publication, you know, I, I thought, well, I did want to pull in some people from Inside the building, who were not who were not uh, strictly a part of the story, so that was how I worked that
6: in. I agree. This is Becca Bry. Hello, everyone. Um, and another really interesting aspect of this project, it's it's really fascinating because, for instance, in my story, um, my my couple is very gregarious in their, I would say love making, it's the romance, it's the of the story, and they make quite a ruckus. Um, but the other elements that we as authors kind of melded together and we realized later there was a commonality in that. You know, art is a, a big part of my story. There is an artistic uh, conversation regarding an Andy Warhol painting that kind of uh, pushes the plot along. And then you've got BT who uses music, and then you've got uh, Susan and quite a few other stories that use literary kind of examples where we
2: what all a great write, observation,
6: yeah. So we all we mm-hmm. all used we all used segments of our creativity so cohesively. You in look, the there's edit. art all over this book. There is, there is. And, and then as, as we started reading each other's stories and our characters started interacting, and then the authors started talking about, well, this is, there, there there's just so many commonalities and that really played a huge role in, in the end product of, there is a cohesiveness, even though we did not, none of us we, what was really neat about this is that Morgan and Jennifer did not give us any kind of um, rules. They just said 1972, mm-hmm. Upper East Side, you're living in Well Raven. This is your unit number. From there, right, they let right. us. We, we gave you a blueprint our of the building. We did. I
2: wanted everyone to, I didn't want any of the stories. And, and this was something uh, um, uh, that I know that, that people can uh, can relate to. I'm a big fan of New York. Uh, I knew New York would become its own character and we wouldn't need anything more than a time and place and a setting for these stories to already be all over each other. And so that's, that's how we knew that we could say, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Just keep it. I don't even think we gave a length. You know, like no, well, yeah. you know? <laughs> 20,000
6: words. I have a novella. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there was no
2: length. <laughs> right. It's never a word I don't like. OK, so. <laughs> and the time and place really is its own character. And and say BT, one of the reasons why we knew that your story, you and Anne's story would lead it off is because you really um, gave us a picture of New York in the 70s and um, a nice Placement of the building. So the rest of us were simply reinforcing where it was between the um, East River and Central Park. Uh, What did you think about putting yourself into 1972, the 50th anniversary of 1972, y'all? What did you think about putting yourself in your story in that time and place?
3: well being an 80s kid you know i look at it through different sets of eyes but when i think the 70s i think music you know i think these incredible acts uh coming out of san francisco out of new york out of la and just redefining what music means and so that pretty much when you pitched the story to me i knew immediately mine was going to be about a musician and i think that's kind of the cool thing about all the stories regardless of whether they have to do with the music per se or not the 70s has that feel you know mm-hmm. that 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 musical feel uh and that colorful kind of uh you know world and i incorporate a lot of that into it mine is really a guy who's stuck in that 60s or 50s mentality jeans the james dean and he's entering a world that he doesn't recognize and uh so yeah i think i loved it uh you know starting it off and kind of giving that feel for that 70s vibe and then uh, just so many incredible stories coming after it, building upon each one. Um, it's just great.
2: Sarah, Beth, I want to give it back to you so we can get uh, Hillary involved. Um, and uh, her and Chris are both here together and she uh, narrated uh, Chris's story, I think, among other things.
7: No, I think that was the only one I did. Well, I don't think. Oh, okay. Think. <laughs> <I know>.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and, that, and I know why uh, I, uh, I think one of you has to leave quickly so i want to make sure that we do talk about that so let's let's kind of jump into that because i know um you know chris if you can give a, a kind of an introduction of what your story is about and then hillary we can talk about how you worked to bring those characters to life
1: great uh, yeah my my story is called a summer of love and it's it's about a person who uh, comes to new york with a secret and uh it as as events unfold uh, that secret has important implications for uh, the, the relationship that develops with uh, Ethan, who is the resident of, of Wellraven. So my protagonist uh, winds up living there with him for a short period of time, but uh, all kinds of things go uh, in unexpected ways for her. So, um, Hillary, maybe you want to talk about how uh, you interpreted the story
7: Absolutely. Um, I love this story. And, you know, uh, um, earlier, I think, was it you, Morgan? Somebody mentioned, uh, you know, the title Gravity and Ghosts. And as you were looking at all these stories, you realized there was also a romance element, Not, not one, you know, the stories each embodied sort of a different aspect of the title thematically. And I think that this story kind of embodied all three of these, romance, gravity, and ghosts. Not ghosts in the classic sense, but in the sense of a haunting. Laurel is haunted by her past, and she brings that with her to this building. Um, It's always so tricky not to give things away, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, But so it, it it really encapsulates all three of those concepts in this one story. Um, and I am a New Yorker, so I, that, I loved that, identifying with that. And, um, and I think had I been of an age during that time, I, I probably would have been a bit of an activist like Laurel was too. So I, I liked that.
0: Wow. That is just, I love that. I love that. And I mean, it must be, you, know, you mentioned that you are a New Yorker. So this project in general, I mean, could you could you envision it like as soon as you were going through it and reading it for to prepare to bring the you know the the book version to life? Did you bring in anything from your personal experience to um, to kind of enhance it?
5: That's a
7: great question. Well, let me first of all just admit that I have not read all the other stories. I would like to because I'd like to see the project as a whole. Unfortunately, you know, time dictates. much sort of fun reading i get to do um because i read so much for work so at some point i definitely want to read all the other stories but the one thing that um resonated with me is just the idea of living in a building in new york and um you've got these neighbors who you share walls ceilings and floors with and some of them you interact with maybe it's just in the elevator in the laundry room, in the lobby, some of them you form relationships with, and some of them you never even see, and they might live right next door to you. And I just love that concept of these intertwining lives that happen within the four greater walls of an apartment building um, that houses all these smaller walls that separate us, but yet connect us.
2: Yeah, when we very first, I actually pitched BT a title called 20-story building, and it was just going to be a play on words. We were going to have 20 stories,
3: and we were going
2: to, right? But we ended up with 13 authors um, and 11 stories, both BT and his wife and me and my wife, who I assure you is still sitting here right next to me. Hi, Jen. Hi. (laughs) Um, Both of us, um, we, uh, in fact, we bookend the book, our story, Uh, ended up being a really good closer, Uh, kind of, our story kind of wrapped up a lot of the feelings and whatever, once we read them all. So interestingly enough, two husband and wife couples kind of bookend the stories within.
7: That's great.
2: That is so amazing. It's, it's so, it's
0: really, I mean, when you think about how this project all came together, serendipity kind of jumps out because it just seems like everything connected in this really beautiful cosmic way,
1: and it turned out so beautifully.
0: This yeah, is Chris. Is- I
1: just oh, want to throw in that I think, you know, Jen and Morgan brought just the right amount of creative constraint to this project, because, you know, if you can write anything, you can kind of go with your first instinct. When you have a couple of things that you have to fit in, it makes a big difference in the quality of the story you wind up telling, because you have to reach a little farther. You have to try a little harder. And I think that, you know, I, I found that that was a really welcome uh, way to, to bring rigor to the writing process and to uh, put out a story that is more than what, what it would have been if I had just gone with my first idea. Right.
2: Yeah. Jennifer, what do you think of that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the
8: thing about Ghosts in Gravity, too, is uh, we pitched this, this idea to BT initially in what the summer of 2019, and then COVID came
2: along. And, and wait, 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 <laughs> was that also at SAS? Yeah. So it was another SAS, yeah. but it was in Charlotte.
8: That was in Charlotte. Okay. But yeah,
2: um, but then COVID
8: came along. So, you know, from start to finish, this project has taken, you know, the better part of three years and it shows it. Yeah, I think it really shows. It, it, we, it, able, we had a lot of time to, you know. We were able to take our time, do exactly what we wanted with it. Um, and yeah, everything that that came to be all happens very organically. Um, and it's just the final product, especially the audiobook, when you oh, realize yeah. how, many, how much production and time and just pure dedication, uh, Jacqueline and her team put into the audiobook. It's just absolutely incredible. I, we're sitting here in our, on our couch in Oregon, and just realizing just how many how many people uh, came together to make this happen. It's it's just it's it's so heartwarming, and and I I don't know, yeah. It just gets me going.
0: I get emotional about it. <laughs> well, I know that a couple people have to leave our conversation a little bit early, so I do want to just make sure that we give them the opportunity to say goodbye before they leave. Um,
7: that was me. That was me. So thank you for letting me speak. I'm well, proud to be. Oh, that's Hillary speaking. I guess we should identify ourselves, shouldn't we? Um, I'm really proud to be part of this project. I, I love what it supports and uh, I love everybody's excitement about it. Um, it's very palpable. So thank you for including me.
2: Thank you, Hillary. Thank
4: you for saying yes.
7: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always I say yes you. to you, thank girl.
1: You. <laughs> thank you for your beautiful work on my story. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you it. for
7: your story. All right, good luck, everybody. All Bye. Right, thank Bye. you, Bye.
0: So, you know, it's um, every one of these these stories is so special, and I think uh, just it would be great to be able to go through. I know we just kind of heard a little bit from Chris about her story, and, and I would love to. I'd love to actually know a little bit more, but what I thought we could do, because Morgan, you did make a really interesting comment about how your stories bookend each other. So I was thinking that it would be nice to be able to go through and um, have each of you kind of talk a little bit about your story. And um, oh, and in Jacqueline, I know you have to run too. So we're going to say goodbye to you as well. And and thank you for everything that you have done. And uh, thank you for the audio book.
4: Thank you all for writing such beautiful stories, and shout out to the entire team, which includes all of the authors, all of all, 14, all 15 performers, uh, my proofreader, and Danielle at Elysian Nightfall Studios, who did all of the post-production to make everybody sound uh, amazing, um, and yeah, I, I don't have much else to say. It was just a, a real blessing to be a part of this this project. So, thank you.
2: Thank you, Jock. Thank you,
3: Jack.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much for all your work. Same. Your like, love
6: you very yeah. much, Jock. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.
5: Thank you, you Jock,
6: for being Bye. here.
0: Bye, Jacqueline. So. Let's uh, now that we're all back now, and now we're just exclusively authors here. So, why don't we kind of jump into it? And, and I like I said, I love that comment that Morgan made about how your stories bookend the 11 stories in the anthology. So, maybe BT, could you kind of introduce uh, your story? I knew it was love, and, and tell us a little bit about what that was about.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of my um, my saying or my uh, tagline as an author is truth through fiction. Uh, I carry a lot of trauma through my life and I write a lot of that in my work. So I knew I wanted my character to be dealing with something tough. I wanted to be returning to New York. As I said, he was in the music scene and he was kind of at this transition where disco is a big thing and he's straight edge and there's a lot of drugs going on and he's just dealing with all these things. And uh, he moves back to New York to deal with uh, the untimely death of his mother. And uh, she had an apartment at the Well Raven. And one of his neighbors is a childhood crush of his. It's his best friend's um, best friend's sister. And my wife, Ann Malcolm, uh, she has written, I believe it's hard to keep track these days. She writes so much, but about 37 books. She's very active and uh, you know I just love writing with her we don't get it, to do it too often and when uh, I knew we were going to write this piece I thought it would be an excellent chance for us to write this together so yeah she uh, she writes a character of a um a fashion journalist who is obviously struggling with the issues of being employed in the 70s uh, as a woman um and all the things that that entails and she does an excellent job of kind of showcasing that and uh and this extremely powerful heroine who ends up uh you know i don't want to give away any details but ends up saving my character's life in a way and uh it's called i knew it was love because that's exactly what it is that saves him um and uh yeah just it's a really uh, it's a difficult story but also i think a really bright one when you get to the end of it and uh and yeah get all the little bits and details
0: i love it i love it i what you know obviously without revealing too much but what makes it uh, I, I know morgan kind of talked about how it's it's a great story to kind of establish establish the book and establish the vibe but what would you say kind of makes it stand out is is kind of a, a great way to to jump into this anthology
3: Well, I think a big part of that is the trauma. Both of our characters deal with a lot of trauma. It is a very heavy story, hence the gravity. Uh, There's also little details uh, that have to do with gravity in there. I'm not going to spoil, but um, but yeah, so it's a very heavy story. Very New York, very gritty, talks a lot about the landscape, a lot about the music of the time. um, And then also it's a love story. Um, So at, at its core, it's about the love between these two individuals and how their love for each other saves each other and uh and so i think it's just a good setting because there are some lighter stories in here there's some very uh what's the right word um dirty stories in here there's mm-hmm. some very uh coming of age stories so there's stories that hit every scope of the genre um romance and otherwise and i think yeah, ours radio- is
2: it's like the radio station in your town that says they play everything <laughs>
3: Exactly, exactly. And I think because of our, ours does hit so many of those elements, uh, it just makes a good opener. Um, and uh, yeah, so
0: I love it. I love it. After your book uh, or after your your installation uh, or installment, I should say, in the uh, in the anthology, there's a story by Shani Struthers, uh, The Guardian. And then we come to Becca Vry's book uh, or story, Chrysalide.
6: Becca, would you be willing to kind of go through and tell us a little bit about oh, your it's story? My pleasure. And as BT so eloquently put, I'm the dirty one. So <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, when, uh, when that when Jennifer, and there's there's a reason behind that, I think. And I'll explain in a moment um, when Jennifer and Morgan first told me about this creative project and that it would go, all the, the proceeds were going to go support veterans and vet sports. I'm like, I'm in. Because my grandparents and my mother uh, are survivors of a Nazi a slave labor camp, and they were rescued by American troops, uh, liberated at the end of World War II. And those American troops, subsequently up until they got to America in 1951, really helped my my, my grandparents and my mother uh, eventually get to America. And so, what I knew, I wanted to be part of this project, just to get to try to give back something, anything, to these brave men and women that serve our country. And my one of my, my main characters is a Vietnam War veteran. And what's interesting about Boom, which is his, his name um he's a really wise soul and what is something about soldiers in 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 every aspect is bravery and courage and all of these things that embolden them to do what they do and boom inspires my main character who her name is amy she's the heroine um to rethink her hesitations in life and she he he encourages her Uh, to become bolder and maybe embrace what's keeping her back, her hesitations. And um, Krista Leed is really, it was really fun to write. It's a provocative, mature-rated novella. Uh, It's an age-gap romance. uh, And because uh, Amy is 10 years older than her husband, Jay, she realizes that some of her hesitations can be overcome with open-mindedness and encouragement from her saucy friends And a newfound brazen confidence that ignites uh, an erotic fire in her marriage. And that is essentially why I chose to go the path I did. I wanted to raise as much money as possible for these brave, brave souls that, that, that are our protectors and are valiant, just human beings. And, um, that's the kind of the direction I took. I decided to go saucy, go big or go home. And, and gravity is literally plays a part in this story because um well let's just say that things in there all of their neighbors hear their escapades and so gravity does definitely play a part from in the literal sense in this in this story
0: <laughs> I love it I love it and it just I mean I love I love the idea that you know like like as you say like the go big go home I mean you you just you just went for it you went for it in every sense the word in this story and I think that's just so fantastic that you know that because there are, I mean, I think everybody, I think everybody can relate to having um, those neighbors be it yeah. you know, in the neighborhood.
6: <laughs> correct. It was a, it was a risk though, because I, I, you know, you don't want to demean or I, I diminish what the, the project is about, but on, on the flip side, you do want to tell an authentic story about what would happen. And I live in, in a high rise in the city of Chicago in, in downtown Chicago. I have 3000 people that live in my building we all know each other, we hear each other, we hate each other sometimes. So it's it's kind of a story that it bleeds in. And I can imagine New York City in the 1970s when things were maybe a little bigger and louder. I just, I wanted to go, I wanted to go that route. I don't know, it was my intuition talking to me, so.
2: Actually, Becca, we were really glad because, you know, since Jennifer and I and, and all, all the authors here, and I think in the, in the book, uh, definitely come from the romance wing, of fiction I was worried that no one was going to write anything about anybody's peepees and wee wee's. so oh, I'm sorry I I, I yeah so I, 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 tried, I was like oh my gosh because we our stories you know it's a kid so we we're like gee so I, I I was really happy to see and, and that's why we didn't put a rating on anything like write anything it's New York in 1972 if you go to Times Square <laughs> yikes I mean the sidewalks are sticky.
3: Yeah, I might add as well. My wife also added a uh, pretty uh, saucy scene as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we definitely, uh and, and that's kind of why I think that story is such a good starter because there is little bits of everything. And and becca I love that you went that route. And like I said, you know, my wife does that quite a bit, and she did, and uh, I knew it was love. Amen. Yeah.
2: One hundred percent. And and to your point though, BT, when you were talking. Um, yeah, you did describe. You set the the book up really well in your story, but like you touched upon, the story is really heavy. And this book, there are some really great lighthearted moments, but for the most part, this is these are dramatic stories. And there's there's so much going on um, that your story was also like. All right, if I may, I played Riffraff in. Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I found out the director said, Well, Morgan, I, I cast you as riffraff, but what I really want is for you to be the warm up guy that plays games with the audience. And I need you to be so offensive that if anyone's going to get up and leave, they're going to do it right then and not during the show. Now, your story, although not offensive, had weight had gravity to it and it set up new york and it had a ton of music and it had romance and it had it even had some levity and it really was the one story that kind of um did it all and that that was a great reason to to pick it to start everything off again like a great lead-off single to a concept album. And Becca's story Hit the
3: home run. <laughs> right.
2: And Shanny, Shani's story is the shortest and it's 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 like a pop song. It's deep, but it's it's almost it's almost poetic in, in the way it's written. And then here comes Becca's story. Becca's the, the biggest story. It's 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 the heart of the book in a lot of ways. It's you know, it pumps a lot of blood and it sets a lot of things in motion, whether you know it or not. In fact, this is one of those books where It's not even so much catching things down the line, you almost have to read everything a second time to realize, because it's so subtle, you didn't know you missed it even when you got the the punchline. But anyway, Becca, your story is like, uh, to use the concept album motif again, it's like that big nine minute song you know, third or fourth <laughs> on the album and side one, it's really, really progressive. With the um, happy, like, happy ending. Drink. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> that's what your story was, was when I was, we were putting it yeah. together.
6: Right, Morgan and Sarah Beth, is, is to your point as well about this this uh this entire um, project is that what make what was so fun about this anthology like this is that the reader is encouraged to take a journey, uh, to seek out the little nooks and crannies of each unit that they pass as they travel up and down like the storylines through the Well Raven experience and. When readers spend time in and around the Well Raven, they learn a lot about longing and suffering and sadness, love, self discovery, and so much more. And there's like something for every reader and just in every listener. So there are people that aren't going to read it; they're going to listen to it. And this anthology just has it all, and it was so much fun to participate in.
0: You know, the one thing that that really stands out to me too, Becca, is you know just kind of to, to piggytail on that. Or to piggyback on that is the fact that the one thing that, you know, even though the story is set in 1972, sex is always around. So it's kind of like the one universal thing, you know, whether you're wearing bell bottoms or skinny jeans or, you know,
2: whatever. red lipstick,
0: there's yeah, lots it, of layers to this. I know. Yes, I get it. it. You know, it's the one thing that kind of, it's the universal element to, to any story really. I mean, it's True. always going to be there.
6: And I believe that everyone included in in this this podcast, we all, we love romances to some degree. And I'm thinking about um, just the heroines that overcome hesitancy throughout time. I'm thinking of like E.L. James's, uh, you know, Anna or Sylvain Reynard's Julianne or um, Helena Hunting's Violet or Jane Austen's Lizzie Bennett. Like I can go down the list of all of the, the heroines that we especially and what I, who I relate to, obviously, who I, I want almost to emulate. When you think about what were their hesitations? Oh, was it sexual? Yes. And some of those stories vary and others, it was very subtle, undercurrent. I just, I believe that romance, I don't know, is at the heart of everything. And perhaps it's because I'm a romance junkie. So.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Now, after Becca's story, there's two other stories, uh, The Man in White and then The Blackest Crow. And then we get to Harry Nilsen Was Right, and that was written by Susan Sward. So Susan, could you talk a little bit about your story?
5: Sure. Uh, And thank you for talking to us today about these stories. This is really wonderful, Sarah Beth. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, everyone has spoken so well about how wonderful it is to participate in this anthology, which I I completely agree with. I really like the uh, organization, the vet sports that we're benefiting. I can't think of a group that's more deserving of help. And, you know, Morgan and Jennifer's enthusiasm for this has just been wonderful. So when they approached me, I was just really thrilled that they asked me. I'd, I'd written for the last couple of anthologies, the uh, the Muse anthology and the paperback writers. So I was so happy to participate again. But, you know, when we started writing this and, and Morgan and Jennifer started to pull it together, we were going through COVID and it was uh, kind of, I guess, fairly early on in the pandemic, if I recall correctly, and everything just <laughs> felt so bleak you know and it seemed like there were many times and it was hard to be uh, cheerful, you know, or happy or feel optimistic about a lot of things. So I really felt like I wanted to write something that was mostly happy. So I'm, I'm I've probably got one of the most cheerful romances in the book. I don't know, Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's generally something that, um, is not as heavy as the other ones. The,
2: the gravity. Well, you're, absolutely. You're the second single off the album. First song on side two, Absolutely. Yeah. that. You know, <laughs> yes. it's, it's like, yeah, aha. Take on me is great. And gave him a lot, but sun always shines on TV was a hell of a follow-up and there you go that album and that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So,
5: um, the, 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 there is a ghost uh, in in the story. She makes a few couple of appearances here and there at some crucial times. And she's more felt than seen by the main character, Elizabeth Liberto, who is a librarian at the main branch of the New York Public Library. Um, the gravity in the situation is her her loneliness and her Feeling that she doesn't really know what to do about that, she's you know kind of shy. The city she was so eager to move there, but it's kind of overwhelming to her. Uh, the gravity is also the situation in the city of New York itself, as as Morgan said. You know, it's always been a wonderful place, but it was not a, has not always been a pretty place. And uh, I was alive in the 1970s, and I I remember many details about the financial problems that the city had and you know she's a librarian working for the new york public library she's a little worried about her job about her friends her best friend is a fellow librarian she's worried about her friend's job but she lives in this gorgeous apartment in this building and you know sees other people around her doesn't really feel like she's somehow communicating with them well but in the meantime she's um sort of having these interactions with a a construction worker who's working on a building across the street, which if you're familiar with New York now, you would know it's the W.R. Grace building, the famous kind of slanted one that that goes up across from Bryant Park. And at the the time that we set the book and that I set the story, they actually were working on it. They actually were constructing it. So she has these awkward and and kind of uh, negative, interactions with a construction worker who's about her age. And then in the meantime, she finds that someone has been leaving messages about literature, the books in the library in a bulletin board outside. And I got the idea outside of the restrooms, excuse me. And I got the idea from something that actually happened in my college days in the student center in the women's restroom. Someone got the brilliant idea to put a butcher block paper inside the stalls So no one would mark them up with graffiti. And there were incredible conversations going up. Like I would make, I would wait to get a particular stall because I wanted to see what somebody else wrote for, you know, some of these conversations that were going on, you know, in in writing. (laughs) And so I got this idea that maybe somebody in the library did the same thing, but they put up this huge bulletin board outside the restrooms in between the men's room and and the women's room. And people would write and draw all kinds of crazy things, but someone started to scribble things about some of the, some books, works of literature. And Elizabeth got this idea to go look them up and there would be more messages like left on bookmarks in these. And so she started to go back and forth with this person. And it turned out to be, uh, it was challenging to her to come up with ideas. She found it kind of challenged her professionally as a library and personally as someone who loved books, um, and then the um, the situation, I should say, resolves itself at the end. But I'm not going to say how because I don't want to give any spoilers. And Harry Nilsson, who was also a very popular singer songwriter in the 1970s, really was right, as she found out. But yeah, I have to read the story to find out how.
2: Sue, I want to thank you um, on behalf of all the writers because Sue and her husband are. Um... Uh, they live really close to New York and we've uh, we've stayed with them several times. They're good friends of ours. Uh, Sue was in our group. She was very active in helping us as a consultant about um, uh, geography and history and uh, as a student and trans- myself, Yeah, transit yes. Um, I'm a student as well, but from Oregon and just only having been to New York maybe 25 whole days uh, total. I didn't have the kind of knowledge Sue had and she was a great help to us in terms of getting a few things just right. So I appreciate that. And Harry yeah. Nilsson, for anyone who who doesn't recognize um, the name, he, uh, he's most famous for the Rum and the Coconut song, but he'll always have a place in my heart because he wrote the entire Popeye soundtrack. Uh-huh, right,
5: right. So, yeah, he was a wonderful singer songwriter who was also, I think, very good friends with John Lennon. So, you know, he's uh, was a really we lost him too soon, I think. So.
0: You know, listening to listening to you talk, Susan, it just makes me I mean, I am a native San Diegan, like five Uh generation native to San Diego. I've been in snow once to just kind of, put into- <laughs> I did it once. I didn't like it. I didn't have a hat. It was 18 degrees. I had no mittens. I just, I, I was oh. a very unprepared, unprepared person, even though I knew it was going to be snowing where I was going. And you're reminding me it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a funny thing now looking back, but I, I had taken a film class as an elective in, in high school and our teacher, um, at the end of the year, we all put together this musical, we would do a musical theater production that we'd write and produce, and but part of the class was structured as a film class, even though it was an English class technically. And looking back, it's very ironic that the two directors that we studied the most were Alfred Hitchcock and Woody Allen. Uh-huh. But, huh. <laughs> but I will credit him for that unit on Woody Allen because there's something, you know, even though we can't really go into Woody Allen anymore, but there's something as a kid who's never been to New York watching a Woody Allen movie. Mm -hmm. getting to know new york through someone Mm -hmm. who loves the city so much like Mm -hmm. i don't know if that makes sense but like i'm hearing that i'm hearing that in what you're saying and i really appreciate the way that all of you have created that because i've i have never personally been to new york but i it's one of those things that's on my list Mm -hmm. and um but, you know, like it, it, I'm thinking about those times that I would watch, movie, you know, we would study these movies and I'm like, wow, it's such a magical place. And I'm, I'm hearing that come to life in every single one of your story, you know, as you talk about your stories and as I've read the stories, like that's one of the things that just really stands out is that um, I think, Morgan, I think you were the one who said, you know, New York was became a character. It was going to become a character. And like you can you can absolutely see that with each of these of these stories. Mm hmm.
5: Yeah, I know. I try to infuse a lot of my story with that. You know, I've never lived in New York City, but I've always lived close enough to go in fairly frequently, uh, even since, you know, I was a child. So um, to, to be able to help with this and, you know, my husband and I went into New York and we took pictures uh, of the neighborhood where the Well Raven was just to show. And there were still some buildings there say from the Victorian era. So, you know, I was able to take some pictures and say, well, you know, these would have been around during the Well nope. Raven's time. If you want to look at the streetscape here, you know, and see if there's anything that would help anybody. Yeah, anywhere. a ton
2: of stuff churches, the YMCA, there's yes, a college nearby. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff right. that was right there. It was really right. only right. our building, which disappeared in time and was replaced with the Kingsley condos in like 87. Um, and I don't know what was there before, which is one of the reasons why I chose the lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. So. I well, I also it. wanted it within walking distance to Central Park because I knew my story was going to be about a kid who couldn't drive. And I wanted to get uh-huh. in the park. <laughs> you yep. know, cards on the table. You did, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it, I love it. Well, after Susan's, uh, Susan's story comes A Summer of Love, which we've heard a little bit from Chris. And Chris, I would love to kind of talk about how you know how having your story land right after Susan's story. How does that you know? How did you find that pairing? And um, did it? Do you feel like it's a uh, based on how your story evolves? Do you feel like it's a it's a good fit because it's, it everything everything seems so well put together? And so to hear Susan's tale and then to think about what you've already told us, I would love to hear your thoughts.
1: Oh. Uh, Sue's story is just so beautiful. And, you know, following that is always a little scary because when, when somebody's read something that satisfying, you hope that they'll, uh, not be disappointed by, by what they read next. Uh, but I I think one of the really great things about the placement is that, you know, we have this really satisfying ending in, in Sue's story that, Gives you some hope, and and really just feels so grounded in real people, right? And with the story that I wrote, um, it wasn't the story I set out to write. I I had a different idea completely when I agreed to do the anthology, and I could not make it work to save my life. And the thing that really made this story come out I think is just 1972 right that that uh that point in the war uh the Vietnam war and you know this vet sports idea you know I I wanted to to write about something that connected to that and so you know having this character have a different secret than I thought she would have and be a different person than I thought she would be uh, but but having it grounded in that reality of that time, that era where, you know, the war protests had gone on for a long time and the country was changing. You know, I think uh, BT was talking about that with music, but it was also just kind of the whole vibe of the country. We had that huge high of the sixties, right? Of, you know, all kinds of progress. And all kinds of you know of people lifting their voices for women's rights, for civil rights, for you know uh, ending the war, etc. And by about 1972, everything had gone a little bit differently. You know, it, it, it was all starting to change, and being able to tap into that and and see kind of the shifting of an era, um, that that felt really like rich territory to me and that's where my story came from but i couldn't have written my story without the work that sue did you know to kind of ground us in what the city really was in 1972 where things were what was you know what how you would what transit was in place at the time all those kinds of things are are important to my story and i think to a number of the other stories as well and um, Sue's work, you know, kind of helping us understand the city in 1972, really helped me as well.
0: I love that. I love it again. It's it just seems like it's just it fits together so fluidly. Um, after Chris's story, we have uh, the sojourn or the sojourn by um, Christopher Winks, and then there is Bella Loki by D.L. Hartman ghosted by rumor haven and then the finale of this of the anthology is robert and that was by morgan and jen and i would love to hear more about robert and how that kind of was the perfect the perfect bookend to this amazing anthology
2: well robert was an idea that we had jennifer and i um we we write together and we write separately but we really try to challenge each other, especially uh, on anthologies. In fact, when we started doing anthologies, uh, and then we started getting asked to contribute short stories to other anthologies. So three of our own that we published and maybe three or four or five in the last 10 years that we've contributed to. And I also wrote a short story book because we got so interested in turning a story into a lesson about being a better writer. And everything from how do, we, how do we write about suspense or how do we write death or how do you get really funny or how do you write not just first person but something called first person present. Um, and so really giving ourselves challenges. And so with Robert, the challenge that we gave ourselves was to tell an entire story through journal entries. And a further challenge is to speak in the voice of a sickly little boy named Robert. Robert, uh, the first line is that he, he apologizes. He says, I just stole you from the five and dime, but I have to tell somebody the most amazing secret I just heard, and it's about me. And so Robert, uh, through the course of these journal entries now, which take place over about two or three months and in fact, in real time, two Batman comics come out in 1972, one <laughs> in October, and then they skip November and one in December. And They come out in real time. And I since went to eBay and found and bought those two just so we could have them as our own little kind of, you know. Um, so through the course of the next couple of months, um, Robert, we, we as a reader, we follow journal entries that Robert puts in as he grapples with the theory. That um, because he has asthma and because he has type 1 diabetes in 1972, both of those diseases have very different treatments now than they did then. There's a lot more involved, especially with type 1 diabetes, including a huge like chemistry kit that you have to have in your bathroom. And every time you go to the bathroom, you have to pee a little bit into a tube and shake it up and check the color and then you have to give yourself injections and now it's a very different disease It's still terrible. But insulin um, had only just been invented. So I wanted to use that I wanted to use things like that. Um, um, New York at that time in 1972 late 1972, the World Trade Center was just being completed. And most of New York hated it, thought it was the ugliest thing they had ever seen. And I didn't spend a lot of time dealing with that, but it was how Robert knew which way South was when he was down South. A lot of New Yorkers still use World Trade One now uh, or the Freedom Tower because it's it's big and you can tell which way South when you're deep in the guts in New York. Am I right, Sue? Or anyone who's been there? Having that one middle finger sticking up really helps you directionally. Yes. Anyway, at the <laughs> time in 72, it was those two buildings, and it really helped him out. So I wanted to use things like that. Um, and Jennifer and I started researching all the started putting things together. And one of it was that, that that diabetes was just starting to get to be manageable. And this kid was giving himself shots and he had all asthma and all these things. So because he had all these doctors and all these procedures, things that helped him breathe, things that helped his blood, things that helped his diet. He overhears a conversation that his grandpa has with one of the doctors that leads him to believe that he's actually a robot. And he feels that they're just hiding it from him. And all of this talk about diseases and whatnot is just their smokescreen. And he's some kind of government experiment. And we follow the logic and the um, life of this 10, 11-year-old, he's about the age, yeah, he's about the age you'd get a letter from Hogwarts. He's around that age, right? <laughs> we follow how he grapples with this new reality as he tries to prove or disprove whether or not he's a robot. Um, and that's pretty much all that I can say, except that Um, We do visit Turtle Creek in Central Park. We visit the uh, old abandoned railway that is now the Highline Park. But at the time in 72, it was just where Bum slept, uh, 20 feet above um, most of the the, uh, garment district. Um, And so just uh, it was a real travel log. Um, uh, Sue's story was a real travel log as well. And I wanted to try to match that. And Jennifer, um, Jennifer is the humanist in our little group. I, I go for the jokes and the history. And Jennifer's the one that adds all the real character and emotion. And, uh, and together, we, we, well, we usually have a story first. <laughs> Jennifer and I have a, a mantra as we write. There are two things that, that we always uh, use for writing, uh, two rules. Number one is impress them with your story, not your vocabulary. Uh, And so we always try to stick to the story. Don't try to impress with writing, you know, keep to the story, tell a good story. And the other rule we have is um, make sure that you have an ending that's as good as your beginning. And and so we, we really, it really worked out well with this story. Both those rules worked out well. And it worked out so well that it ended up being a great ending for all 11 stories. And it wrapped up Um, just the sheer, just the last few lines that he writes in his last journal entry, we believe are exactly what the reader of this book is saying to themselves. And it just turned out that way. And so that's why we chose that uh, as the ender. Sort of the song on the album. Uh, There are two ways to end an album. We, We discussed that you want to start with a good, strong single that kind of tells you what you're going to get. It gives you your expectations, and that's BT story. Um, Sue's story did end up as that first single on Side 2, kind of re resets everything up for you, um, kind of reestablishes all the themes and gives you uh, more of the same, except a little bit lighter, a little bit freer. The last song on an album, they go two ways. It's either your most experimental song, or it's going to be a lullaby. Um, this is not a lullaby. This is a very experimental story, a very interesting, wild one. And it was just a challenge that we had for ourselves that we didn't pose until we had already, you know, signed ourselves up with all the other authors and said, OK, we got to write a story that takes place in New York in 1972 and in this building. And I might add that we just told everybody it's 20 story building. Here's what it looks like. Here's what your apartment looks like. Um, so everyone would have the right entrance and exits and whatnot. And then we said, go ahead and pick your apartment number. And we gave them all the numbers to choose from. And it was amazing. Um, 11 stories and at least three of them chose the exact same apartment number. That's how in sync we were uh, right off the bat. And in the end, I think many of them are on the seventh and eighth floor. A lot of them are clustered together. Uh, So I found that to be very interesting. Wow, that's I
0: mean, it, again, it just it's amazing to think that you were so in sync that there there could be multiple, multiple requests for the same apartment.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was like 60. It's uh, every every floor in the Well Raven has four. Like, believe it or not, for 1970s, there were some apartment buildings that were pretty nice. These are all uh, two bedroom units with big living rooms, two balconies, one in the master bedroom and one um in the living room. Every single view above the third floor uh, was fantastic. Whatever direction you were looking in New York, you had a great view. And I know that every single one of the authors that are with me here on this podcast took advantage uh, and and chose their apartment based on whether or not they would look at the northwest, southeast, southwest, and the different quadrants of New York and New Jersey and, um, and Long Island that you could see incredible. It it's absolutely
0: incredible to hear how I mean just the level of detail but just that how that could even impact the way the stories play out. It's it's it's
2: incredible. I, and, I know, agree. It's and <laughs> um, Jennifer and I are, are in the end uh back to the music thing. Um BT and I are both musicians and recorded albums. In fact, I there are two things I want to bring BT back into. One is to discuss the song, the original song that's part of his story, and one to, um, uh, and, and I'll start actually. Um, uh, vet sports. When BT, when we first found out about it, um, we knew that the concept was many soldiers were athletes and played basketball and football, and and they got a lot out of team sports. They learned a lot about teamwork in sports, in organized sports. And then that helped inform their decision to join the services. But then if something happened, if they were injured uh, mentally or physically or both um, and having a hard time adjusting, how are they going to get back involved? Uh, work isn't always the, the option. And you know, going to the local VFW wasn't always going to scratch that itch. And BT realized that Organize sports again uh, to get the vets together to play sports. And I know this is his pitch, but uh, I just wanted to share with BT how easy it is, uh, and was, and is for me to um... (laughs) explain. Darn, I (laughs)
5: started.
2: I thought that was funny. Um, So that was that's what we knew about vet sports. We thought that was really great, Um, and. So that's what drew us to that. And we were fans of BT uh, and Anne and had and seen them around and whatnot. And it was going to be a big get. If BT said, yeah, I'll go ahead and we'll, we'll get involved in that and we'll write a story. And BT's what we call a BNA. It's called a big name author in our world. And his wife even more so. And so we were like, sweet, we got a nice, we got a nice uh, author here. Um, and then little did we know in the last three years, Anne has blown up, hasn't she, BT?
3: She has, absolutely, yeah. She's she's mastered the TikTok game, that's for sure.
2: (laughs) So tell me about the song.
3: Yeah, so as I said, mine's a musician, and I've done this before. Being a musician, I call myself more a lyricist. That's what I consider myself, but I do tinker around with music as well. But being as such, I've incorporated in my work a lot. And as I said, I wanted this main character, it being the 70s, to be a musician, and I love incorporating lyrics into my work um and so i had incorporated a song that he sings after meeting this girl and it has to do with the loss of his mother and how he feels about it and uh you know jacqueline when she was putting together this uh, the uh audio book for this anthology she got to the part the lyrical part of my our story and said you know i'd really love it if you could put this together in a song so that the audio listeners could listen to the song instead of the uh, the narrator just reading it and i thought it was a great idea but i said definitely not me um, but I'm I can make this happen for you. so uh, yeah, I ended up getting a really great um, vocalist from Canada. I believe she found a musician I don't know where from on the other side of the country who put together this beautiful acoustic piece. So it just goes it's just another further step in showing just how many people were involved in putting this thing together. Um, but it turned, it became a really, really beautiful song. And, uh, and I just, I love it. Yeah.
2: It's a really, really great song. And I didn't even know that. Um, I mean, I knew that, that you didn't sing it and that you'd, you know, gotten other people involved, but I didn't realize it was different musician from one part of the country and a different musician from another country. It sounds like the entire thing from, you know, lyric and melody was written in your shower and then you grabbed the guitar, you know? (laughs) exactly uh, yeah yeah it just sounds like it all came together at the same time
3: yeah and it it took a uh, you know uh cohesiveness and and everybody coming together and putting it together just the same as it did for this anthology so you know it's it's just really beautiful and I'm so glad we were able to do it because it would have been so different to, you know just to have the voice actor reading it as opposed to actually performing and it, it really is a fun bit um, well, the to include liberal,
2: I think you know, uh, it, to keep going with the musical motif and the concept album, it is, this book is the difference between reading lyrics in the liner notes of an album and putting the needle down because the audio book, I mean, the, the stories are so, they're world builders, there's, there's, they're layered and deep and there's emotion and to hear it rather than read it. And I'm a long time reader. And the only audiobooks I ever listened to um, before was uh, I'm legally blind. So I started reading books, uh, The Library for the Blind. And it was just, you know, a guy sitting and reading. There was no inflection, there was no cast of characters, you know, whatnot. Um, and eventually I just started reading on my own. But to hear this, uh, it, it, this was the perfect project. To have Jacqueline, who only she didn't, she never read a single word. She took on this and we gave her the manuscript and we were like, hope she likes it, you know, <laughs> because she'd already agreed before she read a single word. And then she turned it into something truly special.
3: I just want to add to that that's kind of the coolest part about this audiobook is having that big cast. I mean, I think our story had something like six different voice actors contributing. Uh, which just makes it that much more unique and that much more of a, of an experience when you have that much time and effort put in. And I know she's not here, but uh, just another thank you out to Jocelyn and everybody Elysian studios. And, you know, uh, it's just, we couldn't have done it without them. And what they put together was, was seriously a work
2: of art. Seconded production. The, the talent involved uh, was, was amazing. In fact, our 10 year old boy, um robert he was played by a college age israeli female actress um who was in a, a one or two other stories uh, as well i think she might have been uh, anyway I, I can't remember now but um I, I had no clue you know until i found her on facebook and she joined our our private group i was like oh that's not a kid that's a pretty good actor you know
0: and you know this is the kind, this is exactly the kind of thing that, that- when I spoke at the beginning of the podcast about, you know, enhancing how you experience a book, and, and, and several of you have, have even mentioned that, you know, that this book is the kind of thing that you read once, and then you go back and read again, or you, you listen to it, and then you go back and read it, and hearing all of these little stories just do so much to serve a larger purpose of just enhancing the experience, whether it's the first time through the book, Or the third or fourth or fifth time through the book. I mean, every one of these, these anecdotes has just been so powerful and it just, it just makes this project all the more special that it was created and that it all came together so beautifully. Thank you. I mean, it truly is. It just sounds, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just, it's incredible. And I know, um. We're actually recording this uh, right before Pearl Harbor day. And so that, you know, came out to celebrate veterans day and, you know, there's, there's so many different, uh, different ages of people who benefit from the work that vet sports does. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just. It, it just gives me goosebumps. Like to, to, my mom used to say that all the time. Like, look, I have she pointed her arm that was, you know, covered in a long sleeve shirt, and she say, "Look, I have goosebumps," and nobody could see them because they were covered up. But, <laughs> but they're there. I can, I can tell you to the audience, they are there. So it's, uh, it, it just, it just, there's something about this that's just so incredibly special. And I just, I can't thank you guys enough for for taking the time to, to share all of this and and to just enhance the reader's experience of this incredible anthology
2: we appreciate you giving us this platform to do so sarah beth
3: absolutely
5: yes thank you so much thank you so much sarah
1: beth thank you sarah beth we really appreciate it
0: well i can't tell you i mean i i appreciate each and every one of you for the stories and for the the work that you've done and, and for taking the time to share your, you know, share the background with me and, and to all of the listeners out there. And, and um, I can't wait to hear what you have coming up next, because I can only imagine that so much creativity has to have a, an outlet somewhere. So I would imagine um, if you just in closing, I would love to kind of go around if you have anything that's, that's coming up that you want to talk about or promote or anything like that. And and please also include where we can find you on you know, either an author page or social media, just so everybody can kind of, you know, the listeners can can find you out in the world if they don't know where you are already. Because I would assume they do, but you never make assumptions in these things. So if we could just go around and and um, and talk about if you could just kind of say where you are in the world, if you have any projects coming up or anything you'd like to talk about. And uh,
6: we'll start with Becca. All right, everyone. Uh, my next project is going to be um hopefully released in 2023 it will be the novel based on my my mother's survival story of that german um world war ii nazi camp and my grandparents and oh their 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 struggles and i'm just it's a really exciting story that i just cannot wait to tell and share with the world um and then i also have a romance uh, coming out, which will be steamy. And um, that might also be at the end of 2023. Hopefully you can find me on social media. My name is Becca Vry, Vry at, com or on Facebook or through just social, the the, the connections that you'll find with the other authors here. And I just, I feel so blessed to have been included in this project. And Sarah, Beth, truly thank you for um, allowing us to talk about our project. And I do hope that you get to New York City. Morgan and Jennifer, thank you so much. BT, um, everyone, everyone, thank you just so much for, for this extraordinary opportunity.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Becca. Let's, uh, let's jump to Chris and let's hear how we can find you and anything you have coming up.
1: Hi there. Um, I am at Chris Babe on Facebook. Uh, You can find me there. Um, I haven't been active a lot lately. There's, there's been like life stuff happening, but um, I'm working on a a new story that um, actually (laughs) uh, One of the characters from from that story is who I had hoped to to make uh, my main character for uh, the story for this anthology. That didn't work out so well, but fortunately I was able to uh, write write something else that did fit. Uh, But those characters that I had originally thought about... uh, including in the anthology are, are the characters that are part of um, the project that I'm working on now. So just a work in progress at the moment, but um, hopefully more to come sometime in the near future. I just want to thank uh, Morgan and Jen for including me and uh, Jocelyn for making the audiobook happen. This has just been an extraordinary project to work on. It, It, it was a just a great opportunity as a writer to stretch myself and try to create something that would really fit into this larger project. So thank you all.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's jump to Sue. Um,
5: I'd like to echo my thanks, uh, Chris's thanks for um, Morgan and Jennifer for asking me to write for this again. It's always uh, an honor, and it's just so wonderful to work with them, and we always have so much fun when we're together, whether it's online or in person. I've been writing a novel for a while that's pretty different than the the stories that have been in the anthologies. It's uh, about a a young woman, a college-age woman who's about 19, who suddenly finds herself transported to alternate universes, and she has to figure out why this is happening and what she can do to either stop or control it. Her father's been missing for about three years, and she's dealing with a lot of family issues. You know, just helping her mother, struggling to keep the family afloat. So on, on top of those kinds of things that are sadly a concern for a lot of kids uh, in this in this age, uh, she's also got to deal with this very very strange phenomenon that's come over her. Um, I've been working on it for a while. I have. Don't know when the first draft is going to be completed soon, I hope Uh, by soon that could be six months, it could be another year, but uh, I did work on it quite a bit during National Novel Writing Month last month, Uh, so I'm happy that I was able to work out some things that I was really, really stuck on. Uh, so mostly I'm working on that, but I, my, my attention keeps drifting towards writing something else that's romancy because it's just, for me, it's like a feel good thing. You know, I mean, that's the thing that I love about romance is, you know, even though you, you go through some drama and, you know, there's always things that are problematic with the characters, which is what makes the story. But, you know, romance is ultimately uh, optimistic. And, you know, rein, reinforces so many of the good things in human nature. So I think, um, I think that every so often I'll probably just sort of divert myself and run off and write something else on that too. But I don't have any firm ideas yet. I'll let everybody know when I do. I love it. I love it. And where can we find you on social media? Oh, okay. My, uh, my Twitter name is Serendipitous MC. I'm on Facebook uh, as Susan Kobalar Swords, it's my main account. Um, and that, those are pretty much the two uh, areas where I'm really active. I'm on Instagram as, I got all kinds of weird names, Melier Cafe, M-E-I-L-L-E-U-R Cafe, all one word. Um, but I'm mostly active on Twitter and Facebook. And I'd be happy to connect with anyone who likes to talk about writing or has questions about the, the anthologies that we've done.
0: I love it, I love it. Thank you, Sue, and uh, BT. Yeah,
3: yeah absolutely. Uh, you can find me at bturella.com, that's B-T-U-R-R-U-E-L-A. I also have a uh, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I had came out with a book this year, it's Echoes of a Dream. It is a kind of a paranormal uh, male-male romance, and I'll be coming out with the sequel to that next year. Uh, Right now, I'm getting my master's degree in cinema arts, uh, looking to be a professor. So that's got me pretty busy now. But uh, look for that about mid next year. Also, as Morgan said, working on some music. It's weird fusion of like hip hop and emo and rock and all the good things. And so that's under parenthesis X. And Ann Malcolm is my wife. Uh, You can find her on every platform. She's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Ann Malcolm. Uh, That's M-A-L-C-O-M. No L, no second L in there. And she's coming out with a book recipe for love that is coming out on her 30th birthday, 1227. So be on the lookout for that.
0: Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And let's uh, finish it off with uh, Jen and and Morgan. What do you guys have going on and where can we find you?
2: Morgan and Jennifer Locklear are real names (laughs) and where you can find us on all platforms, Locklear books, uh, Uh, You can find the Stargazer Squad on Facebook. It's named after Jennifer's Constellation series, which she is just putting the final touches on the last few chapters of the final book in that series. Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited. So that's probably um, a release next year. Um, I just released a nonfiction book called Start Me Up. It's about how bands got their names. So it's a fun little picture bathroom picture book, I like a bathroom reader. It's how 500 bands got their names. Super fun. And in addition to that, Jennifer and I just finished um, a book called Talking After Midnight about a radio DJ in St. Louis, and a short story book called Death Noir. All those things, um, except for the Start Me Up book, which is already out. Probably next year. We have so much crap that we're like holding things like, oh, let's save that one for 2024. We wrote a lot during COVID. We didn't release a lot. Because, you know, when the world's burning down, it's hard to go, buy my book. So we kind of just hoarded our material, uh, including Ghosts and in Gravity. Ghosts and Gravity is already available. But as is the case with many charity anthologies, it's a limited run. Ghosts and Gravity will disappear in May of 2023 and it'll disappear forever. So get a printed copy or an e-copy or an audio copy of Ghosts and Gravity while you can. I think it would make a great Christmas present. Thanks for letting me pitch on that. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, if you want to find Jennifer and I, best, best case scenario is to find our street team, a great group of a couple thousand people on Facebook in the Stargazers squad.
0: Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I can't thank you all enough. This has just been such a great conversation. And um yeah, I mean, I want to welcome anybody back if you if you're ever interested in, in talking about future projects, come back. We'll chat some more because this has been so much fun that I, I feel like this isn't this is yet another conversation that's not ending. It's just uh pausing until we talk again. So you're all welcome back to discuss any projects you have. And I just want to thank you for being here and um, congratulations on this incredible project. All right. Thank you so much. If you, uh, if you made it to the end of the podcast, thank you for listening. And as always, I cannot thank you enough for your support of the podcast and for uh, the work that I do. I really appreciate it. Um, I do have something, I, I never have anything to plug and, and, you know, aside from the podcast and and the work that I do over at what to watch obviously. And, um, I just published my first book, and it is available as an ebook right now. It'll be in paperback soon. It's called Once Upon an Interview. Uh, so that's available now. So if, if you're interested in what I've been working on for the past year, it is out, it is in the world, and um, it is a true labor of love. So I'm very excited to have that out in the world. So thank you again for, for supporting my work. If you like this podcast, please give it a review, subscribe to the podcast. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollack. And until next time I will, um, I, I hope you enjoy Ghosts and Gravity. If you haven't read it, go out and buy it. It is definitely worth it. And, um, yeah, we will, we will chat soon. Thank you so much, everyone.